Every week at LifePoint, we celebrate the, the death, burial, and resurrection of, of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that's ours because of his sacrifice. It is an amazing story. But, you know, every amazing story has got to have a great beginning. And in our current culture, the simple message about the birth of Christ gets a little garbled at times. Sometimes we can even be guilty of rewriting the Christmas story a little more to our liking, kind of inserting some of our personal preference on the action. Today, we're going to continue in our series, Light. In the series, Light, what we want to do is we want to focus on the beginning of Christ's story and regain maybe a little bit of lost perspective and hopefully uh, recapture a little bit of the wonder, the sense of awe that sometimes we lose with familiarity. Last week, Donnie introduced the whole concept of light, told you a little bit about what light does. And today, I just want to take one particular aspect of light and drill down a little bit deeper and talk about that this morning and make some applications to us. We're going to look at the part of the story in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you'll recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Now can you imagine this scene? It was a little intense, but you know, over the years, thanks to all those pretty Christmas cards and Hallmark specials and church pageants, we've managed to sanitize the scene a little bit to our taste, but it was extremely intense. I mean, these shepherds are poor, illiterate men. Their laughter's rough. Their conversation's a little salty. Their humor tends to be a little vulgar, and these are the guys no one wants to invite over for dinner because they're rude, crude, socially unacceptable. They track in mud, and they stink like sheep, so these guys kind of have a reputation also for stealing everything in town that's not nailed down. In short, they lead a pretty lonely existence. They are outcast, alone, forgotten, and life for them is kind of dark and dreary. And one night, they're just minding their own business out in the fields. They're trying to stay awake and stay warm as they, as they watch their sheep. And all of a sudden, bam, the lights go on, and it's like noon. And they're, they're blinking their eyes trying to figure out what in the world is going on. And, and they see this, this figure there, and they figure out that it's an angel. By the way, in Scripture, every time that an angel shows up in Scripture, the first word he says, hey, don't be afraid. Apparently, when an angel shows up, it's kind of scary. And these guys were terrified. God is present. Everything's lit up. Everything is exposed. And these guys are scared to death. Nothing like this had ever happened in their world before. Nothing had ever prepared them for what was about to take place. Nothing prepared them for when Jesus was going to come in to their lives. Kind of like all of us. And Jesus himself said in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Nothing really prepares us for an encounter with Jesus either. You know, we might have heard of him. We might even know a few things about him. But all of a sudden, when the lights are on and we get face to face with Jesus, man, nothing is ever the same again. When Jesus was born, he fulfilled a prophecy in the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah 9, it says this, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Jesus was literally the light of the world. See, light displaces darkness. That's what light does. They don't coexist in this shade of murky gray. That's not what light's about. 
And Christ came to bring light to a very dark world. When Jesus comes into our lives, he shines some light into some pretty dark places too. Some little nooks and crannies, the backs of drawers and, and closets where it's dark. And he exposes things. He illuminates things. He uncovers. He reveals. And for some of us, that is a very frightening thought. I mean, we don't want Jesus looking in those dark corners in the back of those drawers. We don't want him opening up those cupboards in our life because there's stuff there we, we really don't want him to see. We'd be embarrassed for him to see it. Others of us have stuff that's just been locked away. It's been out of sight, out of mind for a long time. Kind of like those Christmas decorations we keep in a box in the attic, you know, for 11 months out of the year. And we think about them every once in a great while. And when Jesus' light comes into our life, he begins to illuminate some things we, we don't want to because we don't want to deal with that stuff. We, we'd rather not look at it. We'd rather not be faced with it again. Every time we take a bite, this sends a shooting pain up and down our jaw, but we avoid the dentist like the plague because we don't really want to know what's going on inside our mouth. Are we uh, off forever going for that annual physical, you know, because we go to the examination room, the doctor walks in, says, hi, I'm Dr. So-and-so, and the first thing he says, all right, take off your clothes and sit on the table, I'll be right back. That's awful. We sit there feeling very exposed, very self-conscious, you know. I think, oh, man, you know, this is not good. Or like this guy named Johnny Walker that went to this church we used to work at in Oklahoma City. Johnny had an El Camino, and he got real irritated because this red light kept coming on his dashboard. So Johnny had a brilliant solution. took a piece of black electrical tape, tape right over that red light. And he thought he was pretty smart until about three weeks later he blew his engine, you know. I mean, light does not have to be feared, folks. Nothing scary about this. Light is just a diagnostic tool. That's all light is. When you and I, we go see the dentist, he puts us in the chair, tips us back. The first thing that he does is shine a light into our mouth because he wants to see what's in there, see if he can help us figure out what's causing all that pain. When we go and see the doctor, I mean, he takes a light, shines it in our ear, he looks in our mouth, looks up our nose, which is kind of a scary thing, but he does that because he's trying to help us figure out what is causing our symptoms, what is causing us to be sick. That idiot light on your dashboard is there for a reason. It's saying, hey, hello, you have a problem. It's getting more expensive every day the longer you ignore it. That's what that light is there for. See, without Jesus, life is very dark. And when Christ comes into our life, he illuminates for us. He helps us see things that we don't normally see. He helps us avoid things that we keep tripping over. He helps us finally unload some junk that's been weighing us down for a long period of time. See, Jesus illuminates sometimes for us. He illuminates needs that we have sometimes and problems that we have. Sometimes these are things of a personal nature. Sometimes it's a self-esteem issue. Sometimes it's how we handle our money or how it handles us. Sometimes Jesus reveals that there are problems in our marriage, problems with our kids, problems as we relate to our mom and dad. Sometimes he helps us focus on depression or he reveals anger or bitterness in us. Sometimes he helps us understand that we're working way too much and we've been neglecting our family and we're about to lose them if something doesn't change. Sometimes he reveals to us that there are actually problems in the world around us. And for the first time, we have to acknowledge that there's poverty and homelessness. There's battered women and orphaned children. There's diseases like AIDS in the world around us. You know, and I might have been able to ignore those things before or pretend they didn't exist or they didn't bother me. I might be right in the middle of this mess. And Jesus comes to me and he says, hey, um, have you noticed these things? You know, I'm here to help. So what are we going to do about them? Sometimes the light of Christ reveals that we're just kind of ignorant about some stuff. You know, we, we finally become aware that our life isn't working too well. Our marriage isn't working. Our relationships are not well. 
And we don't know why our life is broke, but it's broke, and we're not sure how to fix it. And we've been trying all this stuff. We bought into those cultural myths, and we stopped, and we began to worship at the altar of wealth and power and sex. And then we figure out somewhere along the way that those myths, like every other myth, are not true. And life is still broken for us. And we were just ignorant. And Christ spotlights the ignorance of our culture. He spotlights for us all the things that we've been doing that aren't working. And he reveals a better way. Sometimes Jesus reveals to us our motives, the reasons behind what we do and what we say and what we think. He reveals to us sometimes our selfishness and our fear and our ego, our childhood trauma, some personal needs that we have. Sometimes Jesus reveals to us lies, lies that we tell ourselves, lies that are told to us by other people. He reveals corruption in our corporations, our places of business, our institutions, our government, our families, ourselves, even our churches. The light of Christ comes into our life and he reveals to us sometimes that we are guilty of practicing an empty religion. You know, some of us grew up, or maybe a better way to say it, we're drug up in church. You know, we were there every time the doors were open, and we've just kind of continued to go. And church is something we do because we have to. Church is a place that we go. It's not really who we are. It's just what you go and do. It's something we check off our list once a week. And, and Christ reveals in us that we are just full of routine practices, rote rituals. They don't mean anything. We're heartless and passionless. And, you know, we don't really sit in the dark. You know, we know a lot about God, but... We've never really fully given him our heart, and we're not growing spiritually. We've just become a consumer of religion. We show up once a week for the show, and then we critique it on the way home. You know, it's, man, you know, Joel and the guys are a little flat this week, and yeah, they didn't do a really good job of that song, or man, Donnie was a little off. I don't know. I think you should let that bald guy preach more often, you know? I mean, we say, <laughs> and we find out that we become negative and cynical and critical, and we rate the worship service instead of using it to express our heart to God. And we critique the message instead of listening to the truth, looking into the mirror of Scripture and letting it reveal things that need to change and letting it change us. And so we've grown used to living in a gray world. Well, I got a newsflash for you. Jesus is calling us on it, just like he did the Pharisees, and, and they hated him for it because he pointed out that they were practicing an empty religion. He said, you know, you guys have a form of religion but no substance. They didn't like that too much. Sometimes the light of Christ comes into our life and it reveals that we have a lack of purpose. And we fill our life with so much stuff. I mean, but Jesus reveals to us that it doesn't amount to much. You know, our life is full of our career. And he says, you know, climbing to the top of the corporate ladder is not it. Your sports accomplishments are not it. Your fitness goals are really not what it's all about. The time and money that you spend on your electronics or on your job or worries about your retirement, that's not it. We find that we've been missing out on real life. We're going full speed nowhere. And Jesus shows that to us. You know, for everything that Jesus responds to us that is kind of bad, Jesus reveals hope. He says, you know, this stuff is not good for you. It's hurting you and it's killing you, but I want to illuminate for you. I want to reveal to you something better. I want to show you a better way. And so every time Jesus turns a light on an exit sign, you know, he shows us a way out. He's like a lighthouse that reveals to us a safe passage through the storms and a safe harbor. When living things are exposed to light, it always provokes a reaction, doesn't it? You ever notice that? When you turn the light on, things respond to that. John chapter 3 says that God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than light, for their actions were evil. All those who 
do evil, hate the light, and refuse to go near it for fear that their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see that they're doing what God wants. When I was in high school, my sophomore year, my dad kind of walked out on our family and and banned us in every way, uh, emotionally, physically, financially. And so it was me and my mom and my sister trying to, to make ends meet in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And to help make at work, we had to move out of the house we were living in into these government-subsidized apartments called the Meadows. And man, I nicknamed that place the Roach Capital of Tulsa. Um, The Meadows were pretty grim. They had a pretty bad infestation problem. And I remember as a kid, I mean, I got a pretty strong stomach. I watched horror movies and all that stuff. But I remember coming downstairs in the middle of the night to get a drink of water and clicking on the kitchen light and watching the kitchen floor move. You know, it was the grossest thing I think I've ever seen. But when you and I When we have an encounter with the light of Christ, when the light comes on, I mean, how do we respond? I mean, do we run away? Do we respond like a roach? I mean, that's kind of what Peter did. When Jesus encountered Peter, and when Peter finally put two and two together and figured out that Jesus really was the Son of God, and that Jesus really knew all about him, his first response was, Lord, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. Please, don't look at me. Don't spend time with me. Just please go away. Peter wanted to run and to hide. Maybe you're like that. Do you avoid his light? Do you put it off? Do you make excuses? Do you try not to get involved, try not to reveal anything else? Do you run from the light, trying to hide deeper and deeper into the darkness, trying to to bury yourself a little bit more? Or are you more like a moth? Do you move closer? Do you come closer to the light? And Jesus and his friends were traveling through, and they, and they went to visit some friends of his, Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. And Martha realized, oh, Jesus is here, and he happened to bring his entourage with him. And so she's hustling in the kitchen trying to put together some heavy hors d'oeuvres and some things for them to eat. And she's banging around pots and pans and muttering under her breath about people that should call ahead and let them know how many people they're bringing. And she realizes, man, wait a minute, this is much harder than it usually is. Oh, where is Mary? So she goes looking for Mary, and where is Mary? Man right there at the feet of Jesus. Wide-eyed, open heart, open ears, drinking in every word that Jesus is saying. She's where she wants to be. She doesn't want to be anywhere else, but right next to Jesus. Man, are you like that? Do you find yourself drawn to him? Are you paying close attention to what he says, to what he does, what he asks you to do, what he asks you to stop doing? Are you honest with him about what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're fearing? I mean, you can be afraid. I mean, light does make us afraid. Light makes us feel very exposed, very self-conscious. The shepherds were afraid too. But their awe and their reverence overcame their fear, and they went looking for Christ. They began to have these feelings of hope because they had the realization that the God of the universe loved them so much, he'd sent them Christ. Look, deep down inside, you know, you know the answer. You know you're weary of sitting in the dark. And even though you try to ignore that little voice and, and late at night when the house is quiet and you can't sleep and you begin to listen again to that little voice in your heart that speaks honestly and you know the answer. Are you running away? Would you rather move closer to the light? Well, the last part of the story in Luke 2 says this. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened, what the angel had said to them about this child. 
All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. And the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. And it was just as the angel had told them. The light of Christ's birth revealed something to these shepherds. They knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that they, in fact, mattered to God. God had come looking for them. They weren't insignificant. They weren't unimportant or disposable. They weren't better out of sight, out of mind. No way. God had come looking for them, and he brought a present. He had sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to address their deepest longings, their most crippling fears, the ever-present sin that had turned their world so dark. As the angels returned to heaven, I just imagine one shepherd elbowing the other and said, man, what are we waiting for? Let's go. So they packed up. They went down into Bethlehem, and they, they searched around until they found the stable. Can't you see them just quietly and reverently entering that stable and kneeling beside that little manger, beside that infant? As they quietly and reverently sat there, they knew that they were revealed before God himself, and there was no place else that they would rather be. The shepherds left the stable that night, changed men. They were no longer afraid. That cold, empty, hurting place in their life was gone. That heavy weight that they'd been carrying for years had been lifted. And a new hope burned bright inside them that wasn't there before. You know, light will do that to you. And this morning, I want to tell you, I want to encourage you that light has come to you. See, you stand before an almighty God, the God of the universe, that has seen behind your last mask. He knows exactly who you are. He knows where you've been, what you've done, what you're doing right now. And here's the kicker. He loves you anyway. He sent Jesus for you. So now being that exposed can make you uncomfortable. It can make you want to run for cover, deny that you need anything from God. It's okay, God. I, I, I've got it. I don't need you. I'm all together now. No problem. Got it. Or being revealed can be freeing. You know, as, as you're finally honest with God and, and you allow God to unchain you from the sin, from the guilt, the worries that have all been weighing you down, I mean, you can choose to avoid the light or you can choose to sit very quietly and bask in its glow. God leaves that choice up to you. But I want to encourage you not to waste another opportunity to respond to the Christmas story. Don't do that. Let Christ illuminate, reveal to you all the stuff that's been hidden away, all the stuff that you've been denying and caring for so long. And let me tell you, if you don't like what you see, it doesn't have to stay that way because there's forgiveness and help and hope for you. 